Hello and welcome to Q&A Quest episode 237. I'm your host, Mike Epps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. No hope, no peace, no dignity, Really? Okay. It's a song. No dignity it's a, at all. It's a song. It's a thing. Okay, well. Well, okay, then out of the loop and proud of it yet again, <laughs> your man is Pat Michael Baker, guy you know Atari. Yes. Uh. <laughs> so how how's everyone doing? How have you? Thanksgiving's <laughs> shit. How was yours? Wow. Mine was pretty fine actually. Uh, my youngest got a stomach bug. Oh. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. But he's good now, so I guess. I guess that's good. You won't even that. It's okay, the wife and I got puked on in equal measure, so it all worked out. Is that yeah. what working out means? <laughs> sure. I don't feel like that's right. Anyway. Let's talk about something more pleasant. Yeah. Like good things. Uh, what are we, uh, is there been, I don't think there's been any who's announcing fucking anything at this time of year. Uh, pretty much nobody. Like, we all get some announcements at the Game Awards. It should be fun. Well, what? Um... Maybe? <laughs> oh, it streams live the same day that I get my booster shot, so oh. I'll be out of it. Well, eh, I, don't, I don't know, it depends. Most people seem to feel like crap the following day, so. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I'll get the. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I will probably be starting to feel awful by that point. I forget, did you, did you get Moderna or. Pfizer? Pfizer, okay. No, I have no. My friend, my friend got Pfizer and was sick for like three days, but he's also older, so I don't know. Yeah, I didn't have major issues with the prior ones, so I'm hoping that I will not have major issues with this. Uh, neither did I, and I felt like garbage. I'll make this worse for me, Wheels. Oh, sorry, sorry. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be fine. No hope, no peace. Um. I uh, know, it's just the fact that we've reached the scary-sounding letters of the Greek alphabet. Yeah. Is that really a... Omnic what is it? Omicron? Omicron. It's a letter. Omicron. Oh, God. Yeah, it literally means the short O in Greek. I don't care for the Greek alphabet. It all sounds frightening. Give, a, give it a while, and once we reach uh, Omega, then we'll know we're done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they did skip the two letters before that. Yeah. With good reason. Yeah. Anyway, what have we been playing? Well, I am uh, currently uh, not sure exactly how many times I have died on Shin Megami Tensei V, but it's been what? 
Sounds like the number is a lot. You know it is. It always is. That's true. Yep. Uh, I may be about to die to an Oni, so... That's what's reserved in foretold. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah. We also have been playing SMT5 clearly, so I, as well as Kotor, which is slowing my SMT5. Uh, I don't think any of us is playing anything. I've been playing some more. Yeah. Well, while dealing with everything last week, I was playing a lot more uh, Slay the Spire on mobile. That's finished fun. like a dozen runs or so. I'm pretending that's fun. It's quite fun. Involves a lot I'm pretending of that's fun, fun because it involves a lot of cards. <laughs> I had a decent excuse so, to revisit. Okay. I was gonna say, how far along are you guys on SMT5? Still, oh, I'm still fairly early. Still right outside the diet building, grinding right now, mm -hmm. so I can beat the boss in there. Oh, uh, did you um, did you talk to the little guy on the left who offers to locate the meme man for you? Oh, I did not. So just, I mean, literally just to the left of the diet building entrance, there's this little fox guy, and if you pay him twenty five hundred. I, I thought he was just saying he would locate the next one on the list for me, but no, he locates every single one of them for you in Minotaur. Oh, Lord. okay. Very like I had missed 11 of those things. That's a lot of, that's a lot of points. Yeah. And there's like 40 of them total just in that section of the game. Uh, yeah. Uh... What were you saying? Other things that you've been playing with? Uh, just mostly Slay the Spire and other nonsense. And uh, Minecraft, because there's a new update for that. Your most played game. Yeah, that was... Uh, yeah, I guess you, you figured it out that it's probably because you use a um, Xbox login even if you're playing like Minecraft on S Switch. So yeah. that, that's probably why it shows up as my most played Xbox game. Um, it's either that or the fact that um, like I used to play Halo a lot with friends, like split screen online, which uh, I can't remember if you could use your login on the original Xbox, but we didn't start doing that. Like everyone would, you know, log into their actual username while we were playing split screen on Halo 3 and onward. Uh, but I, I still think Halo 2 is the one we played the most, so... Yeah, Halo 1 predates the existence of Xbox Live. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, and, Halo, and... Halo 2, I don't believe, require, would, like, let you log into Xbox Live unless you were going. Yeah, I'm pre pretty sure that when we played that together, everyone was a guest. So, but I mean, I'd, otherwise, I'm pretty sure Halo 2 would have been my most played because we played that game a lot. I think all the other classic original Xbox games you could have had as your number one play game. Contemplate 
the universe where your most played Xbox game is Sudeki. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it was uh, an attempt to make a Japanese-influenced uh, action RPG made by a, a part of the American arm of Microsoft Game Studios, I want to say. Huh. It was published by Microsoft Game Studios. It was made by Climax, who were British developer. And... The thing I most remember about it was that they had not actually that Sudeki was not original was based on them fucking up Japanese. <laughs> I was gonna say it doesn't actually sound like anything it doesn't actually sound like a Japanese word. I mean it sounds it's like It's supposed it could to be, sound like Sudeki. But Yeah, that would have been my closest guess, but Yeah, that was that was what they were going for and fucked up. Oh, I just died. Oh. I could keep naming uh, obscure original Xbox games for Wheels' benefit, though. Uh, what's the one from From Software? Otogi Myth of Demons. Yeah, they just got added to backwards compatibility. I mean, I was going to uh, name ones that no one wants to remember because they have names like Azuric Rise of Parathia. That name sounds vaguely familiar, actually. A launch era game from Microsoft Game Studios from Sox Extreme. Um, called uh, Brute Force or something like that. Oh, yeah, Brute Force. That was made by uh, everyone's uh, favorite company, uh, but made by a company run by uh, everyone's the, the, the fa favorite son of. Uh, God, I'm just thinking about this. A favorite son of crowdfunding everywhere. Uh, go on to create uh, Star Citizen. Oh. Yeah, I was run by Chris Roberts. Uh, Star yeah, Brute Force. Is that the game that is has never come out yet? Yes, um, correct. Okay. It's made like $500 million in uh, fucking... Selling fake starships to people for a game that's not on. Um, but yeah, Brute Force was Microsoft being like, what if we made third person? And also, it was just had like the worst art direction imaginable. Had this real ugly alligator man looking dude on the cover. It's pretty terrible. Not great, not great. Uh, <laughs> beloved by no one. Yeah, but it was. Uh, I played a lot of Halo and then. There's a lot of other random, not good shit. <laughs> There's a lot of good things on the Xbox, but a lot of them are not things with names like Brute Force or Kudo yeah. Chojin or Daofeng, Fist of the Lotus or New Legends or Azuric Rise of Parathia or Voodoo Bents or also. Splinter Cell was good on the original Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah very, it was. Also very hard. Remember when Splinter Cell happened? I do. Ubisoft. Um, imagining the universe where Wheels just played just an ungodly amount of Unreal Championship to the Leandry Conflict. I have played an ungodly amount of Unreal Championship too. <laughs> the Leandry Conflict? Yes. Right in this Separate from Unreal Tournament, all versions. Yes. 
separate. It's a weird game. Like I said, yeah. it's got it's got Raiden in it. Yes, of Mortal Kombat fame. Yeah, that Raiden's called Raiden. Whatever. It makes it easier to keep Bugen track of. Souls. Like like actual Raidens made by a Japanese companies to pronounce it right. Western companies end up making characters named Raidens. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually played a lot of that game. It's it's pretty good. You can play it on your Xbox Series X. That's weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, well, I could keep flexing knowledge of uh, Forgotten Xbox games. Uh, I'm going to say played... yeah, I have absolutely nothing to add to this conversation, so just keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave off with uh, I played uh, I had the excuse to uh, replay some of Sugunai Atonement which okay. is a neat little game that I've talked about a few times before but it's a weird game so I, it means a lot to my brain as mentioned before it was made by Cattle Call it has music by Yasunori Mitsuda would have been maybe his first soundtrack post Chrono Cross. And it sure sounds like he just got done composing Chrono Cross. Because it, it sure sounds like Chrono Cross. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia says that he contributed to a Bomberman game on 64, but I don't have time to check that. But he definitely. The Gnome Atonement soundtrack is extremely complex. Um, it's, it's a neat little game. Uh, wander around, possess people, resolve their problems. Some of them are not actually capable of fighting. So they, their problems tend to involve you uh, walking around and solving minor puzzles as opposed to combat. It's pleasant, I guess is how I would describe it. Yeah, no, no one played this. No one, no one played this. It has no legacy. But you know, that's fine. But, uh, we actually have a question in the comment section from Crawl. Yeah, got a couple, right? Yep. Uh, what cancelled games are you most disappointed that they never happened? Is either A, they sounded great, or B, they sounded like an incredible train wreck? Uh, like, a lot of times I'm of the opinion that when I look at a game that got cancelled, my brain's just like, no, I see why that happened. <laughs> um, I know, I mean, I got a couple in mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, um, there was a guest game called Chronos Materia. Yeah, yeah, I remember you mentioned that one. It sounded like an interesting concept, and I'm pretty sure a lot of the basic DNA of it went into, um, into a later DS title that I did play. Mm -hmm. so, but it would have been interesting to see them work that one out. And, of course, mm -hmm. there was King of Pirates. Kayo? Yeah. Yeah, Kayo, King of Pirates. And what was another one that was just springing to mind? Uh, oh, yeah, Ushiro. 
Oh yeah, they keep threatening that that's coming back. Uh, all I can say is that there is a small but very determined core of fans who keep putting this up on the, uh, who keep voting to put this on the like anticipated anticipated list And I've mentioned this, I think I mentioned this a year and a half ago, and it is still ongoing every single week. That oh, title no. gets either first place, usually second place, on the most anticipated titles list with almost exactly 500 votes. Give or take I 10. I can't even imagine Every being that devoted to anything. Weak. <laughs> it's concerning. It's like the the fan. There are fans who are really, really wanting this. They're just, they're just fucking like. It's just making me think of uh, the rest of development joke of Tobias screaming. There are dozens of us. <laughs> dozens. Ugh. Yeah, I don't think a lot in terms of like RPGs that got canceled. Like, I don't like those. Those are not typically. There, there's not a lot of high-profile canceled RPGs that really take my interest. Scalebound. Oh yeah, I guess I guess that is technically an action RPG of some description. Presumably, we didn't see much of it. Yeah. But I think it was supposed to be an action RPG. So yeah, Scalebound's up there. Uh, bits of that got reconstituted into Bayonetta 3, apparently, so mm. that's nice. Uh, but yeah, a lot of my things that I would like to see are things that are uh, comically absurd. Some of them have been recovered to some degree or another. Uh and I urge, I think I, last time this came up, I urged people to look this up. I'm going to urge them to look it up again because it is the fakest looking NES game imaginable, but Bioforce Ape, which, uh, that, that's, that one's a sight to behold. Um, this was, you know, you like the really weird ones are, Always do do gather a certain degree of infamy. I think I've mentioned this one before, but Duel and Fireman is uh, it's tragic that the it was an FMV game, and it's tragic that the footage involved was not released because apparently they did film it. There just was never like a game made around it. But uh, Duel and Fireman was a game about a dancing competition between firemen on, like, apocalyptic Earth. And it was full of very strange uh, 90s celebrities. And also Tony Hawk would have been in it for some reason. So it would have been the first game featuring Tony Hawk, which would have been powerful as well. Uh, so yeah, that is a baffling disaster that we were sadly spared. Um, like, I remember uh, speaking of... Am I still here, by the way? No one else talking. Uh, I'm, I'm here. Okay. I I'm, assume just we'll... getting, I'm just getting, yes. like, trying to get the image of dueling dance-off firefighters on an apocalyptic Earth through my head. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to describe what that was. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
You don't say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to pay lip service to something that I don't personally care about, but it always seemed to show up on lists of things people were ready to rend their raiments and like sadness over the death of uh, back when it died, but uh, True Fantasy Live Online for the Xbox, which uh, was an MMO being developed by Level 5 in like the early ops for the original Xbox. And like for some people, there were for some reason, there were people that were really obsessed with this idea. Like, people really wanted this game to happen, and I've never been quite clear why, because nothing about it seemed particularly interesting. <laughs> Like, it was just an MMO. Mm -hmm. uh, apparently they were, uh, like, one of the core gimmicks that they had was they were going to put in voice chat, which hadn't really been implemented at large scale in MMOs at the time, and that sounds awful. Like, that sounds... I would pay to remove that feature. Uh... Yes, because time like has I, shown that voice chat adds everything to a video game, yes. Like, imagine, like, everything you hate about listening to other players online, but also the cacophony of there being, like, 200 around. And I, I know, hate I that mean, idea. I, I mean, like I said, I've had very little, very, very little experience with Xbox, but I'm just remembering a video of a prank that somebody did where they changed their... Um, they made their Xbox user handle Xbox um, was it Xbox shut down or something like that. Oh yeah, when the original Xbox One came out. Yep, and so all these people who are used to just shouting out the other person's name in frustration were accidentally turning off their own games. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was like everything. Everything about this idea sounded like quite tame except for that idea that sounded horrible and i feel like on some level we were spared hearing about the nightmare of people running through an mmo town where they had to listen to a cacophony of other users which would have been a problem both in terms of like actual technical implementation apparently this was a huge sticking point was just that like actually implementing this was a pain in the ass uh but, yeah, I just, I don't understand. Like, some people were really holding a torch for that game. There was, like, petitions for it to be reworked as an Xbox 360 game and all sorts of nonsense, and I just, I don't understand. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to limit it to things. Oh, oh, I know one that I just saw, I, I was just reading about that might have been Depending upon which version that went into production actually came out, it might have been fascinating. Um, uh, Jade Empire 2. Mm -hmm. I guess I apparently have Xboxes on the brain. Uh, Wheels seems to have shut down. Uh, what? <laughs> well, I just noticed that your game was not moving. Any. Oh. Oh, that kind of shut down. Yeah. But... Oh, uh, but yeah. Uh, I don't know how much people in this demographic remember Jade Empire. I remember. Uh, I early remember 2005. Yeah, early 2005 Xbox RPG by Bioware that was 
uh, fantasy ancient China themed. Um, I, mean, I do remember that it was um, like Three Kingdoms China fantasy style thing, and I do remember those Xbox. And I do remember that. Obviously, I have never played it. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, that, yeah. I, I was just saying, like, I, just just for anyone listening, like, I don't know who remembers it, but yeah, that's what it was. Uh, they they had a few different sequels to that in various stages of planning that they never really talked about publicly. Uh, I personally just found out about them because one of the programmers on them worked at Bioware for a couple decades. Uh, I think his name is Mark Dara. Started talking about his career at Bioware on his YouTube channel and Mm -hmm. went into a lot about what various versions of Jade Empire 2 were. Uh, One of them, like the the first one was this, was a fairly standard kind of sequel that you would get to this kind of game, where it's like a few decades later, and uh, because there were multiple mutually incompatible endings, there would be some sort of event that sort of wiped the slate so they could start from a normal... Uh, starting point, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, that would have been that. W- that was the first proposed sequel, um, and that got canceled uh, seemingly mostly by virtue of the fact that they they were trying to make it so that Bioware was supporting fewer technologies because they had a handheld division and a vision that, a division that was working on the new engine that they were cooking up for Dragon Age, and a division that was working in the Unreal Engine, and they had the Jade Empire team that was still working on the Aurora Engine that they had made for Neverwinter Nights. That was the easiest part to cut out of the tech stack, was to just remove any work on the Aurora Engine. So they killed that version of it. And then they came up with this, this very strange idea about making a game that took place like centuries later like in pseudo modern times and mm-hmm. it was based off of an ending that no one got in <laughs> from the original game because you had a good ending where you like you did the the, the good boy from root and it's technically like officially the open palm and closed fist uh, alignment meter was not supposed to be good and bad but it's impossible to play them any other way really but you had the, the open palm ending where uh, you fix the world and everything uh, returns to harmony. You had the closed fist ending where you declared yourself the emperor of the Jade Empire and stole the powers of a god. And then there was a third ending that was really hard to get for a multitude of reasons. The first, like Not because there were special requirements for it, but one, it didn't make any sense. There was no reason to make this set of choices. And it's such a nonsensical course of action that the game actually asks you like three times, are you sure you actually want to do this? <laughs> because there was a third. So, so part of part way through Jade Empire, the villain reveals himself, kills you. And then you spend a few hours dead and like getting yourself brought back to life and uh, preparing yourself for a final assault on the villain. The, this ending, this secret ending, was an ending where the villain is like, you know what you should do, though, is let me kill you again. 
but pretend, but like, I'll do this, uh, I'll like set up the Empire so that they'll remember you forever as like the greatest hero that ever was. That sounds good, right? And this ending you got by saying, yeah, I'm down for that, like three times in a row until he finally accepts that, yes, you really, he, he really is going to let get to win because you were somehow persuaded by that. And, but, but the, the upshot of that ending was that the ending uh, relied on the idea that he gained the powers of God and suppressed magic in the Jade Empire. And then the, this sequel that they proposed, that they apparently referred to as Jade Modern, uh, relied on this idea of, like, it's been hundreds if not thousands of years, and, like, the seal that he sort of placed on Matt, like, you're in this modern city, you're part of, like, this, uh, like, the, the basic indication is that you're part of a group that is, like, supposed to be essentially some sort of uh, SWAT team, like, city police force, that sort of thing. And the city is, that you're in uh, is, it's... Called Phoenix Gate, your character, like, since every Bioware game has to have, like, a title to call your character, since your character is nameful, and they need, they still want people to refer to you in voice acting. Your character was the Phoenix, and, like, this character was going to slowly develop magic over the course of the game, because, like, the whole premise of the game is that this, the suppression on magic is slowly breaking down. And so, as the game went further along, like, there would be more of these, like, high-flying sort of wuxia fights to go along with the start-of-the-game gunfights and kind of collide the original game's aesthetic with the modern aesthetic that they'd cooked up for the uh, new game. And it... I don't know if it would have worked, but it would have been interesting to see them try it. Uh, that game apparently went through a lot of trouble in its conception process, basically. Uh, eventually they essentially removed it, it eventually ceased to be a Jade Empire sequel and at some point it, it got weird because like they they had set it in a modern city but they had also realized that allowing the player to drive around in cars was going to be like there were going to be cars in the city but they realized that driving around in cars was actually a huge ask in a technical sense. They were, they were going to make it so that you couldn't drive, but they came to this, this weird compromise where it's like, well, if you can't drive, there just shouldn't be cars in the city. So you had a modern city that had magic slowly filtering into it, but also it had no cars in it. And it's just like, this is relatable to nothing and no one. It was, a, it was a very strange project that got weirder by the moment, and it seems to have been cancelled on the basis of uh, it would be much more profitable to just focus on making Mass Effect 2. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would have been interesting to see that happen. Wheels. Yes. Do you have any of these? No. Have you considered conceiving of game and then canceling it so that you'll have an answer. No. That seems like a lot of work. It's not. If you just say a name and then give a concept, you basically made a canceled game already. <laughs> Consider. 
but yeah, I mean, a lot of times when you look at these, uh, the uh, answer to why this didn't come out is very obvious, and that's why uh, console uh, early the early period of many console games uh, of many consoles launches littered with games that you saw a preview for and then never saw again because it turned out someone looked at the numbers and realized no one was going to play Frame City Killer. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, Sorry, my brain was just chased out by like everything in my brain was just chased out by the memory of the existence of Frame City Killer. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want a less haphazard recollection of uh, what actually happened to Jade Empire Two, or if you're at all interested in uh, just stories about how Bioware was run in the 2000s. Uh, the YouTube channel that uh, was seemingly set up just for that is one called Old Game Dev Advice. And there's a lot of interesting stuff about just uh, how games are made and written and stuff from someone who obviously has decades of experience with it. So Nice. Uh, that's recommended, and I haven't seen uh, too much about this before because it looks like the channel only has 5,000 subscribers, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, so it seems like something that people in the RP gamer audience might care about. So. Hmm. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at this question again. Uh, oh yeah, there was <laughs> there's some other stuff that was mentioned uh, that was pitched at Bioware at various points that I feel like maybe merits discussion during this. Uh, oh really? What? Apparently, someone pitched a Scrabble RPG on DS. Huh? Scrabble RPG. Yes, entirely on the basis of they were owned by EA and EA had the Scrabble license for whatever reason. So it's like, well, what will they approve? Let's try pitching a Scrabble RPG and see what happens. And yeah, that I can got... see that working like Treasure of the Rudras. Yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't take. Uh, there was a brief push to make a Pokemon-style game of Bioware for the DS, which like every I company. no idea what that would have looked like. Uh. And there was going to they they really put a, seemingly a lot into a pitch for a Mass Effect universe trading game slash RPG in the style of something like uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it was you know you it was like a business management slash trading game slash RPG huh. that they wanted to put on DS and called it was called Mass Effect Corsair. And hmm. uh, the things that killed that were that it would have been a gigantic DS cartridge. It would have been easily the largest size. And that uh, it became thoroughly obvious over the process of pitching all these games that EA did not want to make DS games, but was not willing to just say, we don't want to make DS games, even internally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But yeah, so it took them a number of pitches to realize they're not going to approve any of these because they don't want to be making them. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was a very uh, illuminating thing to hear about. But yeah, let's see. Um, uh, just note uh, to say hello to Pew and Mega in the chat. Hello, Pew and Mega. Who are accusing also, me of falling asleep and now hiding behind a Pikachu statue. It's total, total lies. No, I 100% believe you fell asleep. Yeah, it's um, 100% true. 100% yeah, accurate. That explains <laughs> some of your activities here. Um... Also, Smoking Joe says uh, says lurks in chat in the RP Gamer chat. So yeah, there are a few people watching. Um, that's about all I've got for yes. Campbell Games. Hello, uh, fellow awake people. How do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the other one that Carl said was Atlas was fairly prolific for the 3DS, even if several titles were remakes or ports with a little spit and polish. Now SMT5 has finally landed. What impact, if any, is it likely to have on its overall Switch output? Part of the advantage of 3DS games was that they were cheap. Uh, <laughs> I think the biggest thing that you'll see with SMT5 being finished is that... Uh, bunch of its assets can get recycled into other SMT spinoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, whether those end up on Switch is another question. It wouldn't surprise me if at least some of them do, but like they, they have a big bank of high-quality demon models with actual like bespoke animations now. So Perfect for use in oh, Devil yeah, Survivor 3, maybe, please? Honestly, I'd guess Devil Summoner before Devil Survivor, but... Uh, I'll take that, too. Yeah. But yeah, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of those franchises come back. But. Uh, Devil Summoner. Survivor. Devil Summoner. Survivor. Well, it's going to piss off everyone and be a sequel to Rondo. Who, uh, who voted for Rondo? No one. That's why I said it's going to piss off everyone. <laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that, like, the real issue is that, uh, like, the real thing keeping this uh, level of support from happening again is just that uh, there's just a lot of manpower to, uh, required even for, like, a relatively cheap Switch game at this stage, so... They, they would usually rather throw that money at a uh, game that is likely to have a higher return on investment. But yeah. Uh, this is this was hardly the first. Uh, I mean, Atlas has done a couple of that kind of game. Uh, that kind of re-release on Switch. Catherine Fullbody happened. And I think there's something else I'm forgetting at the moment, but Oh, aside from SMT Nocturne HD as well, of course, but and yeah, you get things like Persona Five Strikers. Basically, if it's feasible to put it on Switch and there's no uh, money keeping it off of it, which is what I suspect is happening with Persona, 
Uh, you'll no. probably see it. But, uh, which, what was that no to? Are you about to get destroyed? Or is no, that just it's no? the, the lack of Persona on Switch. Yeah, that one hurts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's very little reason that uh, at the very least Persona 3 Port 1, Persona 4 Golden shouldn't be on Switch at this stage. Just, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would suspect in... Huh? I was going to say they even have a uh, PC port of Persona, Persona 4 Golden that they could yeah. use as a basis for other platforms. Mm-hmm. That they aren't. Yeah, just sort of sitting on it. Um, but yeah, uh, and also as part of me suspects that we'll get yet another version of Radiant Historia, but only right at the very end of Switch's lifespan when people are barely buying games for it anymore. Uh, I mean, that'll be less of a problem for the Switch, I would imagine, because I would suspect that the Switch's successor will be compatible with Switch games, but yeah. uh, Radiant Historia Perfect Chronology is also a case where uh, the game's development got uh, stopped halfway through and then it was it changed platforms because Perfect Chronology was originally like a near-launch announcement for the Vita and then its team was... Uh, uh, was reassigned to make Tokyo Mirage Sessions. And then by the time that game was finished, uh, it was clear that making uh, anything on Vita was not a great recipe for uh, money being made in the long term, so they just moved it to being a 3DS project. By the time they were done with that, it was pretty damn late. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, we might see like a 11th hour set of ports to the switch just uh whatever they happen to have just as a well might as well make the money while to get this good but who knows uh the addition of sega to the equation is also of course a uh a number of questions and mysteries because sega management is is nothing if not mysterious but (laughs) even to itself yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, a uh, bit of the left hand, right hand thing. Yeah. But yeah, uh, it's. I, I I suspect we will not be because I mean, there's also just less series. Like they're not doing a bunch of Atrian games anymore. Uh, we cube wheels sobbing right about now. Uh, <laughs> so it's just I'm one not of those dead things. yet. Uh, give it time uh, but yeah uh, remember Etrian Mystery Dungeon 2 no I have it of course no. you don't it didn't come out in English I have I have it you got it you never played it it's so. not in English <laughs> playing a mystery dungeon in a game in, in a language you don't understand sounds like one of the circles of hell uh but yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things. Like without that like army of smaller scale games, it's just never going to match up in terms of output. They're not expanding such that they can match up that output, and they don't have an army of smaller games to put out anymore. So 
we're likely to see fewer Atlas Switch games, although hopefully a few more. SMT5 seems to be doing well enough for them. Um, What else? Yeah. What else? Is that is that the last question? That's uh, the last question that we have for the that's, that's new. All right. Uh, anything in the backlog? I mean, we've always got the the list. The list. Should we check it twice? I'm not Santa Claus, and you can't make me. But I am looking at it. Uh, here's one that we can maybe do something about. Uh, could you name some studios who used to make great games but were reduced to making crap later? I always want to talk about Raven Software. That's depressing. This is going to be a depressing question. Oh, can we not talk well, I mean, about Raven Software? <laughs> well, I mean, the first thing uh, that comes we to my mind is actually about half a mile from my house. Ah. <laughs> Which one are you thinking of? Alpha System. Ah. Oh, I forgot that they weren't... I thought that they had shut down at this stage, but... Nope, their office near Minami Station is still open. Huh. I've seen it, or not recently, but within the last few months, I passed by. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't have to go was... out of my way to get there, but... Um, but their website's still up, and it's... Um, currently lists their parent company as Meteorize 2021 to present, which means that they have changed ownership at some point. Hmm. Yeah, very recently, in fact. Uh, no it was more last Linda. February, actually. I'm kind of hoping that that means that they get to actually uh, do something with their interesting backlog, or not backlog, but uh, uh, backlog. Back wearing. Linda Q, bring back Linda Q. That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, their last actual release was Sisters Royale in 2018, which yeah, Sisters Royale sounds concerning. <laughs> It was like a, uh, I mean, it was a shooter game. It was a top shooter. Ah, uh, okay, that's less concerning, but still a little concerning. Yeah. I mean, I looked it up after I saw the posters in front of their office, but... Yeah. But before that, their um, previous release before that was Oreshka Tainted Bloodlines. Yeah, which is kind of a neat game, a weird game, yeah. but neat. Okay, I was I am baffled to find out that uh, Sisters Royale came out in English, huh? With the additional subtitle of Five Sisters Under Fire. Yep. So yeah, this looks like a. I mean, they, top they, down. Did, um, they did Shikigami no Shiro, which was one of the. Uh, yeah. They've done several different uh, top-down shooters. That were yeah. fairly well received. Yeah, yeah. Shigami no Shiro is uh, well done. Has a really infamous English dub. If you've never seen it, go uh, have yourself a good time looking up Castle Shikigami 2's English dub. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And has... they did stuff like Fantasy Star Portable 2. and We can, we can ignore the Radiant Mythology games. Radiant what? Oh, Tales of the... Oh. Hello, Tam. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Radiant Mythology. Oh, God. Yeah, but the Narikiri Dungeon games were much better. Yeah, yeah true, true. Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't. Re- oh, I somehow forgotten that they actually did the most of the work on Abarimbo Princess. They they are capable of interesting work when they're trying, and when they have. No, no, money. I actually had somebody. Uh, this one guy who messaged me sometimes on Reddit. He asked me about Linda Cube, and I was like, okay, well, first here's the review. Should say everything it needs, but here's then here's the pull quote is like. This game is a perfect example of what happens when Alpha System is given full creative authority, and it's also a obvious reason why they have not been given this a chance to do this in over a decade. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's just it's the weirdest game ever. <sighs> uh, let's see. What is the most aesthetically pleasing dungeon you have seen in a game? I mean, actual dungeons. Okay, hmm. aesthetically pleasing actual dungeon in a game. Oh, let me think here. Hmm. All of them are dank by design, so it's kind of hard to. I mean, uh, actual du- actual dungeon, 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 or level that is distinct from the outside dungeon. I'm going to assume that the the uh, he means specifically like. It doesn't have to be literally a dungeon because otherwise you kind of heavily limit what you can do. But like yeah. an area that is specifically like a place where you crawl through it and have fights, and then like at the end of the event, it's a story in some fashion. Every um, dungeon in Persona Five, beyond the really labyrinth, strong. the entire game. <laughs> uh, some but, uh, unsurprising responses given our. Uh, <laughs> Okay, never mind. Um, this um, Talia, um, Talia Riza Two, the city under the lake. Oh, that's a cool idea. Uh, that that is a Riza. beautiful, beautiful place to explore. Uh, the Legend of Legacy, since the whole island in that game is basically a giant dungeon. Well, Except giant the entire island in that game is basically outside world map. That's true. Um, that's not a dungeon. We have to get out of here. No, there's actual dungeons in Legend of Legacy. Get out of here. Not really, when you can't really think about it. Except for the City of the Gods at the end. Yeah. Well, there you go, then. The City of the Gods. Okay, um, Nasty Dungeon. Nasty Dungeon? What? Final Fantasy Legend 2. The optional Uh... level. (laughs) Okay, it's not very aesthetically pleasing. It's more just really annoying. (laughs) Just wanted to bring it up. Yeah. That uh, the, the fact that the fact that the the little fairy who greets you at the start saying that the dungeon is mean and nasty and they actually the character was so hated by the fandom after what actually happens in the dungeon that they made her an optional boss in the remake. <laughs> see, that's responding to the fans. Yeah. I, I just laughed so hard when I realized what the name of this mon the monster was in the optional. Um, arena dungeon was like, wait a minute, EG Wire and the Nasty Fairy. <laughs> You're going down, you little Tinkerbell. Okay. Someone, someone's still working through some things. Uh. <laughs> but you, you remember this fairy, right? No, no, I did not do Nasty Dungeon. Okay, well, at the very start, the the fairy warns you that the dungeon is mean and nasty, and you probably shouldn't go in. But she does give you the uh, item that lets you teleport. Okay, so if you manage to make it all the way through this dungeon, and which by the time you get to the end of the dungeon, you're fighting end level 
um, strength monsters, or at least not in the level, but um, like pr um, pre, oh, that one? penultimate level monsters um, by the end of this dungeon, well before they should be showing up. But if you get, make it all the way to the end, you meet the fairy again, and she asks you if she was if you agree with her and that she was right that it was a mean and nasty dungeon. And if you say, no, it was okay, then she will zap you back to the middle of the dungeon with all teleportation abilities turned off. That's miserable. Yes. And deeply spiteful. Yes. <laughs> it's actually easier to turn around and go back to the front entrance than to the back at that point. It's absolutely awful. Uh, I can't remember which dungeon it is, but there's a water-themed dungeon and Skyward Sword that's very, like... Ancient very, Sister? I think it's that one, yeah. It's very Yeah, that's the fourth there. dungeon. It's one yeah. of the most beloved in that game. It's yeah, really that one's good. really cool. I really like the, the Sand Sea dungeon in that one as well. Uh, trying to remember, there's a dungeon. I recall this being very striking. Very, very. Uh, there was uh, in FF9, I recall really being struck at the time by Memoria. It's one of the very late dungeons that you get. But it's got a cool sort of crystal and alien and crystal aesthetic. Not alien in the outer space alien concept, but like it's very otherworldly, I suppose. Yeah. A lot of those uh, PS1 uh, Final Fantasy dungeons would honestly probably qualify for this. They have very interesting aesthetics. Let's see. Uh, okay. Um, let's get a couple more questions. This next one I can do real quick. Uh, how revolutionary was original Fable when it actually first came out? Not at all. Yeah, um, not, very, not very. It was. It's very much an overpromise sort of game. Yeah. Uh, if it were Just actually to say, everything that was promised, then it'd be awesome. But yeah, it's like it's not even a bad game. It's just that like what it was promising was innovative, and what it was was just kind of oh okay. Yeah, no, it's it's a very good like action RPG. It's just not like the the oh you. It's can, not the game that we were that yeah, they were selling. It's not the oh you basically make your own fable that, that yeah uh, we were promised. But yeah, it's a very good game. Yeah. I mean, the, the promise was frankly unreasonable. And was yeah. No, it's a shame it's gotten the reputation it's gotten because it's, like I said, it's a very good game. It's just... Um, it promised the impossible. Yeah, exactly. Also, last time on Art says hi. Hello. Um, Smokin' Joe asks if there's been any news on possible Persona projects, like will we ever get a P5 Arena? I feel like Arxis is very busy at this point. Currently, they are uh, 
keeping Guilty Gear Strive going. There's probably someone working in the new Blaze Blue somewhere, and they just announced a the involve their involvement in a dungeon fighter online fighting game for some reason. Hmm. So I think our access is maybe too busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that means the answer is no. We there are no currently they they've implied there will be new Persona game announcements sometime in the next year because it's the series like twenty fifth anniversary or something. But probably nothing uh but nothing that has like concrete info as of yet. Uh, but yeah, Fable was a, a perfectly good game that was uh poisoned by a marketing push that tried to promise the moon. And uh, was it the guy in charge who just could not figure out when to shut up? Pretty much. Speaking of promising the moon, don't but, worry. Yeah. He he learned his lesson. Um, don't wheels. <laughs> when? Never. Never. Let us all return to curiosity. What's inside the cube? But yeah, um, yeah, it was it was just generally uh, it was a perfectly fine action RPG that kind of just did the same thing a lot of games were doing at the time, like experimenting with uh, different uh, like appearance, like altering the player's appearance based off of interactions, which would become fairly common at the time. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's a, honestly, it's a relatively small game, actually. There's only, like, three or four major areas to it. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was just, like, any anything to do with, you can plant a tree, and then in ten years you can come back, and it'll be a mighty oak. Like, that, that shit was not going to happen. You should have known it wasn't going to happen, really, but that's what people wanted to actually see, and that's what wasn't actually there. Um, but moving on. Um, simulation games that are too real and therefore too hard for their own good. Choice to be one of those early to mid '90s aircraft emulators. Those are those are definitely for someone, not me. But I definitely know a friend who ha- carries on a lifelong obsession with Aerobiz Supersonic. Uh, although that's more of a business management game, which is a kind of simulation. Uh, okay. Okay, then got one here. Yeah, yeah. You're talking about a simulation game that is just too awful for its own good? Yeah, like too game. awful, too detailed, like just something that you can't play. <laughs> Desert Bus for Hope. Oh, God. <laughs> Desert Bus for Hope is a very important charity. Desert Bus is a prank on the player. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, it is, in fact, a simulation game that is too realistic for its own good. Yeah. For those uh, tragically unaware of Desert Bus, uh, Desert Bus is a eight-hour simulation of a drive from, I want to say, like, Phoenix, Arizona to Arizona to Las Vegas, Nevada in real time, maximum speed, 45 miles per hour. 
Also, if you try to just hold the gas pedal down, the bus actually will eventually veer off the road, at which point you will be forced to uh, be towed in real time. <laughs> so if you make it seven hours down the road and you get and you fall off the side of the road, it takes seven hours to be towed back. <laughs> also, at the when you reach uh, Las Vegas, the game awards you one point. And then asks if you want to make the return trip for another point. The score counter, as far as anyone can tell, maxes out at 99. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's weird. Uh, I, there are conflicting statements. Like, the game is... Desert Bus is definitely, at least in part, a prank on the player. It's a definitely. But, it's also, I think, I think it was supposed to be a comment on critics who said that games weren't realistic enough. Yeah, it's definitely partially that, but it's also like they did have nation plans to make more of these, <laughs> of this kind of like uh, ultra realistic simulation games. If this product had come out, like this was, this was part of uh, Penn and Teller's Smoke and Mirrors which was a Sega CD game that was never officially released. Uh, everything else in that game is also kind of a prank. Uh, you have the Smoke and Mirrors mode, which is like a weird platformer adventure game that uh, has two difficulty modes, Normal and Impossible. Normal is a fairly standard video game. Impossible, uh, I believe you run into Lou Reed approximately three screens in, and he, like, you'd see with a laser killing you instantly without any recourse and then lectures you about not picking impossible as a game choice as a like difficulty mode like they fucking recorded him saying that impossible does not mean very difficult very difficult is winning the Nobel prize impossible is eating the sun <laughs> but yeah, that's an extremely strange game. There's a mode that's like a two-player, like, it's like a shooter where players are supposed to be taking turns in a score attack, but the player one player has, like, a, bu a bunch of button codes they can put in to uh, fuck over the other player. And, like, the idea was that you were supposed to be surreptitiously doing this to make sure that you always won. And if the player figured out, like, if the player got suspicious and thought you were doing something, there was also a button code to swap which controller had the button codes. It's a very <laughs> strange, like, prank that you were meant to play on your, just a random friend that didn't know what you were doing. Uh. Yeah, a very, very odd game. Uh, the ultimate thing that was ever made out of Desert Bus is something I'm obsessed with and have referenced multiple times on the show, but I'm going to reference it again because it's incredible. Uh, which is a Doom wad called Revenant Bus. Which is... Uh, there's there's a... There's a trailer for this on YouTube, and it's basically Desert Bus in Doom in the sense that uh, you aren't properly driving the bus anymore, but instead, to simulate that level of tedium, they made it so that there is... It's a level that takes seven hours of the bus driving in the background, and every seven seconds, a revenant from Doom spawns in the bus that you have to kill, and you have no guns. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah, it's uh, it's powerful. If it also for some reason a weird horrible MIDI of <laughs> in the summertime by Mungo Jerry is playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strange object. If you've never seen it, please wow. just put Revenant Bus into <laughs> YouTube and. Just just take a look at that first video, which will be a better explanation than I can offer. And I'm going to drop this in Wales' Discord so that anyone here who hasn't seen it can maybe oh my God. gaze upon it and feel mirth that I feel. <laughs> in the summertime when the weather's high. Uh, Yeah. Uh, do we have? Do we want to do a couple more questions? Or sure. Oh sure. I've got like half an hour before I need to start cooking dinner. Okay, we can do one or two more. Uh, does anyone notice how much self-correction and wide margin error developers have uh, to program into motion control games so they can work the inconsistencies of human movement? Because I'm pretty sure my grandmother can't bowl that well in real life. Yeah, I mean like. The, like part of the reason that uh, part of the issue that motion controls ran into in terms of their wide adoption was just that uh, people expected well people are uncoordinated but they also expected one-to-one controls in cases where that often wasn't desirable uh, and also just that this this entire thing like there wasn't a lot of consumer goodwill in terms of like gaming enthusiasts to accept that maybe it's going to take a minute before like they, these like the design on these is fully matured. Like it was a very long process of uh, experimentation that leads us to the controls we have for button based games now and motion controls weren't offered that level of, uh, I guess uh, we're not offered the chance to develop those uh, that kind of uh, maturity. So, like, you still see motion controls a lot there in VR games, especially. But there's not a like if there had been a wider adoption of them earlier, I think that they would be a much more uh, mature in terms of design than they are now. Because they, you know, the fact that they were not perfect out of the gate caused them to lose a lot of chances to really experiment with, well, what works best with these. Uh, they do need a lot. You don't want them to be one to one. And to be honest, the games that you're playing on buttons are not one to one with what you're pressing either. They have all sorts of uh, tricks of the game trying to interpret what you were attempting to do rather than what you actually did. Uh, because players are going to think more in terms of what they, actually, what they were trying to do rather than necessarily what they did. And that's why you see like all sorts of things where like that, that kind of compensating for imprecision is why action games need to have invincibility that allow you to dodge 
like, you know, you'll play something like Dark Souls and you can dodge through something rather than around it because you need to build it for the imprecision of both a game and trying to control a game rather than a human body. Uh, wow, this has got really violent really quick in this, in this uh, <laughs> Breath of the Wild play that Wheel's doing. But, uh, yeah, like, that, that kind of compensation uh, is necessary because video games are an abstract, but... Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely noticed, I think we all did, that, like, they need to make all sorts of compensations, and, like, you look at something like Wii Sports, and it's like, yeah, it's not supposed to be one-to-one, it's just supposed to simulate what is exciting about moving and reacting in a way that's more, uh, visceral, for the same reason that, like, a light gun shooter is different from a first person shooter. They have different appeals and uh why are you throwing away an axe? Why? Don't pick up the sword. Never. Okay, okay. And then you're gonna throw that too. Uh no, that was an axe. That's I keep trying to press that button to run. <laughs> the controls in this are just like slightly different from everything else so i always try and press like the wrong button for run the wrong button for several things until i get yeah until i get gone until you get back and through yeah well, i'm about to but take yeah. on the next box again Let's see good luck can... oh this time i made sure that three out of four of my party is immune to fire damage smart yeah so come on finn mccool controllers Let's see uh this is probably on the same tip so i might as well do that uh, uh do you think isometric games are naturally difficult for maintaining accuracy in combat unless playing with a mouse i've been playing through diablo 2 contra legacy of war don't do that to yourself and hades and it feels to me like any of these games you either have to have secretive auto aiming Big enemy hitboxes if you do not want the combat to be too obnoxious. All of the games in non-isometric formats are doing that, too. Yeah. Uh, anything, especially anything that's primarily designed for people. Sometimes they'll at least let you turn off auto-aim, but, like, there's a lot of aim assist going on in every uh, major 3D game you've ever played. Yep. Um... Some of it more so, some of it less so, but, like, it's sort of like, it reminds me of, uh, like, uh, something that sounds silly at first. Uh, see, something that, how to describe this. So, uh, one of the uh, Mortal Kombat games, I believe Mortal Kombat 9, has attacks that hit inconsistently on certain characters depending upon where they are in their idle animation. And that makes mm -hmm. perfect sense on some level because it's just reflective of where their uh, where their body is during that point in the idle animation. And it's still terrible. Like it's still a terrible idea and it should not be how the how any game <laughs> works basically. Uh because 
in attempting to ju- in just keying the hitbox to be exactly where it logically should be it makes it so that things can fail to work that seem like they should have worked and would have worked in any other context and so as with many things games are about convincing the player that they aren't helping <laughs> but in fact helping a lot uh, and so in in that case like most any other fighting game no matter where it looks like your character's hitbox is during their idle animation their hitbox is always going to be in the same place uh, like that's also why you will also see games avoid having idle animations that cause the character to look like they're moving around too much. But yeah, like, you, these sorts of things, like, I think isometric games have more of a problem on controllers just because they're, and part of the reason they're no longer that common is that they, they evoke an illusion of 3D that makes it harder to judge distances and depth. And so, uh, like, games tend to be... Con- the tendency of games to be contem- compensatory anyway for what makes these difficult... makes uh, hitting things in games difficult uh, mixes with the fact that these are already difficult so that they end up producing games that have big, wide, generous hitboxes and like strong telegraphs in order to feel good and when you don't have those you get uh, Contra Legacy 4 please stop playing Contra Legacy 4 I know that you wrote this like 10 months ago I don't care please tell me that you stopped playing it what the hell is Contra Legacy 4 it was made by Appaloose Interactive it is the one of the PS1 Contra games yeah. it's in 3D it's extraordinarily bad and ugly not that one that came out recently no, that's Contra Rope Corps. Okay. The one with the panda. Yeah. Contra Legacy of War is, like I said, it's a PS1 era game. It's, 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 it's awful. It's really bad. It was kind of the, the bellwether of Konami slowly deciding that it didn't care about certain franchises. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, don't, don't play Contra Legacy uh, Don't make me beg. Um... Uh, this is one that I don't think I can answer, so uh, we'll have to throw this to Gaijin at the very least. The language that relies heavily on context, like Japanese. Have you guys seen any Japanese games using the wrong words in a given situation? Using what? Uh, seen a game using the wrong words in a given situation. Um, you mean unintentionally? Yeah, I presume unintentionally is the that doesn't happen nearly as much in Japanese as or most languages as it does in English. Yeah, when you have something where your entire sentence breaks down if you don't have use the right word uh, because it's such a contextual basis, it's kind of I mean, gotta pick that, carefully. I mean, <laughs> Japanese doesn't use metaphorical phrasing nearly as much as English does. Hmm. Um, I mean, that's one of the key points of localization into English is the insane amount of recontextualization you can manage with anything in English. 
Yeah, um, and if you don't like rephrase things, they sound very odd and stilted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, it's. I mean, oh, do you, do you want me to hear a rant on English then? Oh, yes. uh, give it, keep it medium length. <laughs> okay, so first of all, um, we have the fact that English is the only language really on the planet that does spelling bees. Yeah. Consider this. So it is the it is one of the few languages on the planet that is so completely out of touch with its own spelling, orthography, and phonics systems that you cannot necessarily tell how a word is supposed to be pronounced by looking at it. <laughs> that's that's worse than you could say for French or Gaelic. <laughs> Those are two of the weirdest wor languages on the planet when it comes to uh, not pronouncing all the letters. Also, there's a lot of there's a lot of old French and Gaelic in English, unfortunately. Oh yeah, um, it just. Um, but I mean, it's also among other things one of the few languages on the planet where you cannot tell a word is a verb or not just by looking at it. Mm -hmm. It is possibly the only language in modern Europe that's where that's true. Mm -hmm. um, it is the only language I can think of that has single words that cover four different parts of speech at or has a phoneme that s at the end of a word mm. is it a singular verb is it a plural noun is it a possessive yes exactly <laughs> is it possible to tell the difference between these not necessarily because hey sometimes your verbs and your nouns are the same word awesome this is this is the joy the joy and the sorrow Yes, so, I mean, if you're asking if Japanese can have errors like in English where you say it apostrophe s instead of it no apostrophe s, or... That one's um, a trap built into language, too. <laughs> or if you spell steak S-T-E-A-K instead of S-T-A-K-E when you're talking about killing vampires, <laughs> um, no. Yummy. You can't, actually. Japanese has all of three instances where a symbol it's not necessarily pronounced the way it should be these are mm -hmm. all holdovers from old grammar they are all kept specifically because it helps differentiate them within the grammar mm -hmm. yeah. notably all three are grammatical particles yeah and there otherwise wah. there is yeah wa wo and a that's it mm. um list of actual honestly um, irregular verbs in Japanese is depending on how you count it but let's say four mm -hmm. total four <laughs> regular verbs in Japanese everything else follows at least one or more of the standard conjugation patterns um, yeah it's, it's weird um, no, never mind. English is the weird one. So, <laughs> like, um, if if you ever look through things for constructed languages, just making up your own language and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. You realize that if you attempted to pass off anything even remotely resembling English as a constructed language, you would be laughed out of the room. Yeah. Yeah. You literally cannot make up a language as messed up as English. 
you would uh, by dint of you would at least by accident end up forming patterns that were more consistent. Yes. Um, I'm gonna skip a few ahead to uh, the one that can be answered fairly quickly since I'm fading fast at this point. Um, which was the most powerful 8-bit console, the Sega Mark's 3 slash Master System, or PC Engine? If we're comparing those two things apples to apples, it's the PC Engine by a long shot. Uh, but, you know, like there's, there's always the debate about whether that counts as a 16-bit system or uh, not. Like, certainly at the time, they would have wanted you to think of it as a 16-bit system, but yeah. Uh, if if we are comparing those two, it's the PC engine. It's not even close. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, let me see. But yeah. Um, otherwise, do we want to start wrapping things up? Yeah, let's wrap it up. Okay, Gaijin, tell us about princesses and the pizza parlors there. Okay. Or vice versa. <laughs> Okay, yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. If you enjoy tabletop gaming, reading about tabletop gaming, or living vicariously through people making really silly mistakes in tabletop gaming, this is a series you might want to look at. Um, and, uh, Wheels, when exactly will this be posted? It is? Uh, probably Monday-ish. Okay, well, I might as well start advertising early then, so, um... Advertising for an author's birthday sale first week, uh, or maybe second week of January, starting from the 8th. I guess it's second week. Um, just because if I start mentioning this too late, then nobody's going to hear about it before it actually starts. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, give that a look. Uh, you can find those on Amazon. I recommend looking. I, I need to actually sit down and read them myself. Got to yep. put my money where my mouth is. Ed, please, please. Uh, yeah. Uh, I need to sit down and read literally anything. <laughs> so it doesn't minus, sound like a I might as well winning. read Princess Pizza Parlor. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a losing battle in your life, but good luck. Uh, I have not done much reading of late. Yeah. Uh, Will, she got anything to advertise? Uh, you can catch us on the RP Gamer channel Sundays uh, for Sunday Night Shenanigans, where we play whatever RPG and then usually play some fighting games over on my channel afterwards. Uh, I also occasionally do random streams, which can be a variety of things from, you know, shooters to. 
Not Resident Evil 7. Not Resident Evil 7, but generally non-RPGs in my channel, just to... Spice that's, yes, just because that's where I can do that, basically. <laughs> um, and that's about it, I think. Uh, let's see. And as for me... Uh, I am still plugging away at that Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash GameCultureStudy. Most recently, I uh, did a short post about the weird legacy of uh, Ore no Ryori. It's a uh, Japanese cooking game made by a company you've never heard of called Argent. That... Uh, <laughs> spawned that like fandom of it in the west spawned a series of indie games called cook serve delicious i did a short little discussion about that you can read that on the patreon it's free i promise but i will also appreciate if y'all can kick me a few bucks and anything you can spare is good uh but if you can't that's fine too maybe share it around if you get the urge um can't remember what Post is coming up next as of this recording. Let me see what I've got queued. Um, um, scheduled. Oh, yeah. Uh, up next is a pain to my adoration for Star Ocean, the second story. Mm. So, uh, for all you RPG fans out there listening to an RP Gamer podcast. But, yeah. Uh, so, you know, maybe give that a look again. But, yeah. Otherwise, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go to bed. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Space Cowboys. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. There's something else. There is. We have to talk about where they, we have to thank the Thank you to Fireminer and Crawl for asking questions. Yes. You can ask us questions in the comments section. Yes, thank you. Or you can... Thank you to Pew and Mega for trying to keep me awake. It was a nice... It was a noble, nobly intentioned failure. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can ask them in the comments section. You can ask them in the... Uh... Oh, and also thank you to Last Seminar Earth and Spoken Joe for joining us in the RP Gamer Chat. Uh, you can ask us questions in the comments section. You can uh, ask them in the Twitch chat if you catch us when we are recording. We typically record around uh, 8.30 Pacific, 11.30 Eastern uh, on Wednesday nights in the U.S. Eleven thirty Eastern, eight thirty Pacific. I don't remember if I got that right. Son uh, of a bitch, I'm on the wrong Twin Mountain. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, out, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, or you can ask us questions in the Discord. Uh, we thank you. We we, th- we are always happy to hear questions from. Just about anyone, if you have anything that you are curious about our opinions on, or if there's something you want us to go further in describing or discussing, always happy to 
go back to any prior questions as well. Otherwise, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. Yeah. Thank you.